Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. It's getting, it's getting serious. Eventually, maybe we'll have uh, YouTube Live, Facebook Live. <laughs> oh, it'd be kind of cool. That might get out of hand. It I don't might. know. I don't know. It'd be, it'd just be interesting to try. A lot of podcasters are doing it now. Mm. It's kind of the thing. Instagram has a live thing too, don't they? I don't know. Do they? I didn't know. I've that. seen people like I get these notifications really? that are like, "This person is is doing a video now. Tune in." Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Is your own Instagram? With Vici Mundum. Okay. Yeah. 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 I've not done it personally yet. Are you on yet. Carmel Connect Instagram? <laughs> what is that, the, yours? Yeah. Yeah. That's the young adult yeah. one. It's brand it new. Just, I don't, it just got I don't run it. Oh, it's brand new. Yeah. yeah. I followed wow. Vici Mundum. Wow. So you should follow me back. I will. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find it, Kevin? Did you actually friend or follow me yet? Uh, oh, no. Man. I briefly saw it again yesterday, and uh, I didn't have time to, you know follow i'm starting to so. wonder because you know these excuses that keep coming up well i saw it again I get, and I, I passed it up i get on facebook you know that's that's my preferred method of social media okay is it okay nice yeah well there is a way to connect with carmel connect on facebook and you are on that i am so, yeah there you go well kevin i think it's uh no secret that you are an outdoorsman that's true yeah um so I do a lot of hiking. Uh, I happen to grow up in the foothills of the Blue Ridge, so just in a very beautiful area. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of where my passion for the outdoors was born. Yeah, there's that's nothing awesome. like the it's Shenandoah Valley, right? Well, you were on the other side of it. Yeah, the other yeah. side of the valley. Okay. I yeah. grew up in the valley. Okay, yeah, yep, one of those. Yep, one of those valley guys. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. welcome Wasn't there back. Like everyone. an old movie or something about like valley girls or yeah, you know. something like that. Yeah, so I, don't valleys, think the I don't think valley guys. I don't. To the yeah. Shenandoah Valley yeah. of Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Yeah. I said that once. I was like, my wife grew up in the Shenandoah Valley. You know, she's a valley girl, and they were like, what? Oh, that means something. I don't know. <laughs> I, should, I don't yeah. think I should say that again. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I will attempt this again because I, I did already, but welcome, everyone. Uh, I am here, Ken White, Director of Youth Ministry, Youth and Young Adult Ministry, and I'm here with Austin Farenholt, our Director of Mission. Hello, folks. And uh, Kevin Rydell, our new pastoral year seminarian. Hello there. And in-house outdoorsman. That's right. That's right. Yeah, if you meet if you meet Kevin, you won't be surprised that he's that, but you probably already have caught rumor of it because it seems to it seems to enter the room before he does. The sense of of him being an outdoorsman. I Are think. you saying he stinks? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, <laughs> you smell like the outdoors, Kevin. <laughs> that could be true. Your essence flows in before you do. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because before you came here, like. It was all talked about the outdoorsman nature of you. Like everyone would be like, "Wow, well, oh, you haven't met Kevin yet." Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, he he likes the outdoors. He's a real outdoorsman. <laughs> yeah, I think there there might be a few myths out there as well. <laughs> I did read one thing though that you started a farm as a kid, the Saint Isidore Farm or something. Wow. Yeah. So you, all right. I did yeah, my um, research. <laughs> See what I mean? These stories precede you. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Even a seminarian, let's read about him." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I did a bunch of farming growing up. Um, kind of started in like first grade or so. Mm. Um, yeah. So that was that was a big part of my growing up, and then um, I went on from that to go 
go to college at Virginia Tech and study forestry there, um, and then continued with that after college. Nice, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's when when Austin asked me yesterday. He said, "What what do we what do you want to podcast on?" You know, I thought I wanted to podcast on nature and uh, and our our place in it and the sort of relationship that that has with. Um, every person. And <clears throat> I've kind of been reflecting on that because I, I got the opportunity that I've talked to you about before, Kevin, of going uh, backpacking last year for the first time. Um, I've always been enjoyed hikes, long hikes, um, and going especially up mountains. But to actually go out for, I think we went out for like six days into the wilderness um, with everything on our backs <laughs> was uh, was a really cool experience. We did it at um, Mount uh, Olympic National Park. Oh, wow. And, yeah, it was absolutely beautiful. But something that I realized while I was out there, and, and my buddy who was leading the trip, he's he's done a lot of these. And so he has a lot of experience and he was kind of teaching me things as we went along. And one of the things obviously that, you, that they, that experienced backpackers talk about is leaving no trace. Right. True. And that's, that's from your campsite to making food to, um, you know, things that need to happen while you're out on a trail, um, mm-hmm. AKA using the restroom, um, just leaving no trace, right. Leaving, leaving nothing, um, that wasn't already there before or as little as possible. And it's, it's kind of something that I think is very, um, eye opening when you're out there and trying to live that because not only do you realize like how difficult it is as a human person not to leave a trace, um, especially with all our gear and modern technology, but, but also, um, how much if someone does leave a trace, it affects the beauty of the environment. Like I, you know, I would be out there and encounter, you know, what, whatever it might be a piece of trash or something. And it looked so stark in comparison to these beautiful valleys that you're walking through. Right. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly realize like that's out here and it took us three days to get out here. And if nobody picks it up, that's going to remain out here, right? Like there, people don't like just walk by this all the time. That piece of trash is here to stay. Um, and it's, it's really stark, right? There's, there's no, nobody to come clean the, so to speak streets of Olympic national park. It's, right. it's out there and it's staying. Um, but also the realization, like it's so easy when you're making food or something to leave something, you know, and ch- checking your campsite and making sure that you aren't leaving a trace. So I, I don't know if you can. So why speak should to we care all. about uh, about leaving no trace? Why is that so important? <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I mean, go ahead, Kevin. Well, I think we should maybe first dispel kind of the myth that um, there, there there are some people out there that would maybe argue that. Um, humans just by our very existence are leaving a trace and that therefore is bad. Mm. Um, I think, I think we can cast that to the side. Like we, we have a right to be here on the (laughs) earth and, and as part of that, we, we do naturally leave something of a trace, but as Catholics, um, as faithful Christians, we're, we're called to to be mindful of that trace that we're leaving. Um, we're called to, you know, minimize that to the to the extent possible, and to to make sure that it fits in with the rest of God's plan, with the rest of His creation. 
Yeah, I yeah, I like that. Because it's I mean, you're out if you're out there in the wilderness, you see that animals leave traces, right? Like like yeah. by by existing, there's going to be a trace left. And actually that's a that's a beautiful thing, right? I mean, that's why we we want to leave in some sense we want to leave our mark on the world, right? So there is this this sense of like this desire to leave a trace in some sense, but it's it's that sort of wasteful trace that that mm. that is over and above um, like you said, according to, to God's will. So if I'm, yeah, just the image comes to mind cause I saw this happen the other day driving down the road and somebody was done with their bucket of chicken or whatever it was and just tossed it right out the window of the car. And I was like, okay, like man needs food in order to make food. There's going to be some trash that's accumulated, but why is the response just to toss it? Like just, you know, as if now that it's left my space, it no longer affects anyone, mm-hmm. right? Because now everybody's trying to dodge it on the road, this bucket that's been thrown yeah. out the window. Well, and it seems that it just, it's kind of a perspective of seeing the world as something that we take, that, that belongs to us, that we kind of take dominance over, that this is uh, this is the world and I use it as much as I want, um, which is kind of a, a piece of consumerism, I think, that, you know, oh, someone else will take care of that. Like, this is... This is my home. I can do whatever I want here. Um, where that there's stark contrast in uh, Laudato Si, where Pope Francis writes that rather than a problem to be solved, the world is a joyful mystery to be contemplated with gladness and praise. Um, that it's not something that's just that's utilitarian. We're here. We take what we want. We profit from it, and then we die and whatever. I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. the world is actually more of a gift. That it's something that we. Uh, that we ponder and contemplate and, and look at with awe um, at the beauty of it. Yeah, so that's that's a good thing that Pope Francis picked up on in Laudato Scene. To be honest, I, I haven't read Laudato Scene in about three years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have recently read a book about uh, Benedict's encyclical Caritas and Veritate, which is also about the environment. Um, Although not as widely known and acclaimed, right? Yeah, most yeah. people think Laudato Si is kind of the only. Yeah, it's, only thing it's out a there. Pope Francis thing, but no, really, all of, all of the recent popes have spoken about the environment and um, have come to this realization that we as as humans are having an increasing impact on the environment and on on our home, basically our common home. Um, and so Benedict, he talks about kind of the the difference between dominance and dominion. Hmm. You know, God gave us dominion over the world. Um, he he allows us to be stewards. Uh, to dominate, however, is is something completely different. Hmm. Um, dominate would be more like taking taking control over it. Right. Yeah, yeah, taking control in a in a ruthless way in a in a way that isn't considerate for the the well-being of of the things around us. You know, we see, we we could see that in our own relationships. Like if you you guys are both parents, you know, mm-hmm. you're called to have dominion over your children, not to dominate them. Um to dominate would be to rule with an iron fist. Mm. To have dominion would be to to kind of guide and, and teach and lead. Hmm. Yeah. Um, gotcha. But but still respecting that that person that is is your child. Right. That's a really good example. I mean that kind of like clarified it really well for me that it's 
uh, it, it in some ways it almost feels easier at times to dominate your children. You know, when they do something bad, it's, it can be an easier route just to say, go to your room, you're done, I'm not talking to you again, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of our, our broken human nature that says, this is the easier way, just do that. Whereas dominion is, yeah, that, that idea of stewardship that these children are not actually mine. Um, they've been, I've been granted authority over them and granted stewardship, but it's a, um, they're a beautiful creation made by God. Uh, we're co-creators, but it's made by him uh, for the world and for his glory. Uh, not for my glory, you know, not for, not for me uh, to, to seem better or to take advantage of, but it's, they're made for God. Um, and so, if we can help guide that and form them into a beautiful person, then their mark left on the world is really beautiful. I mean, you look at, like, uh, um, Therese of Lisieux's parents, uh, Zeli and... Louis. Louis, mm-hmm. thanks. Uh, mm-hmm. That they were such great parents um, and really guided and had dominion over their daughters, um, but raised mm-hmm. them with such love and affection. And then they had this daughter, Therese, who leaves a mark on the world that's such a beautiful mark. You know, it's something that the world looks to, and we say, Therese, uh, you are, your way is a way for all of us, um, and it's something that we want to follow. But you can kind of look to her parents and say, because they, they did something they really cultivated well. that. Yeah, yeah, they <clears throat> didn't dominate her. And I think, I think what's interesting is, is, is both, both words involve authority, right? And, and, but but it's the use of that authority, and so uh, we are given authority as human persons, not human beings, like I <laughs> often say, human beings, human persons. We're given authority over the world. I mean, that was that was you know, Adam was given authority over the garden, but that authority involved um, responsible leadership, and I think we all know this a little bit inherently. Like anytime we have someone that's in charge of something, whether we're involved or not, right? We expect a certain kind of leadership that's not, that's not abusive, that's not about that individual's power, but more about the stewardship of that thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, if we entrust, for instance, okay, if I entrust um, my car to a mechanic, right? I'm entrusting that in in the and if it's a mechanic that I trust, right? Then I'm 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 trusting them to to have stewardship over my car, not to take it and make it what they want it to be, right? But to but mm. to make it run as needed for my family, um, and to continue on. And so I think there's that sort of level of like I'm there's authority here, but the authority is um, to lead and guide that towards its purpose. Right. And so with our children, we are given authority over them, but to lead and guide them and cultivate them to their purpose, which is ultimately to love God, receive his love and give his love to other people. So what's the purpose of uh, the environment? Our authority over the environment. The purpose of the environment um, <laughs> that's a big question. A place for yeah, us to live and breathe. <laughs> that's that's a big question. Um, I like Ken's fix to the question. What's what is like? What is it all? Why why should we take care of it? Uh, you know, what, what's 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 kind of at the heart of that? Well, yeah, and I think I mean I don't think it's an impossible question. The one you asked either, right? Because the environment um, does exist to glorify God, right? Anything created is exists to glorify God. 
And that, that is, is it, its purpose. Mm-hmm. And then also the environment does have the purpose of, um, it's the place where in which we live. Like we were the crown of creation. God made us last and he built everything around our being created. Right. And so mm-hmm. it does, it does serve a purpose to man, not to be abused and used, but it does have a purpose towards, um, man reaching his purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, so, so the, it has a purpose to glorify God because it is part of creation. Um, but it also has a purpose to serve man in his glorification. Of but God. you can also flip that on its head and say that when God created the world, he created the environment first without man, you know? And so man is uh, kind of made for the environment too, uh, because he, he put man there to cultivate and take care of it. Um, so he, he did, made all this creation and then said, you know, at the end of it, now here's man, take care and name everything. Uh, you know, identify what it is that I've made, um, and take care of it. So in some ways too, like while the environment was made for, uh, for us in a sense, we also were made to care for the environment, um, which is why I think St. Francis, not Pope Francis, um, though he, he kind of is, uh, emulates some of this that St. Francis says, but where St. Francis calls, uh, like the sun, brother, sun, sister, moon, uh, and he often put brother and sister before an animal. So, you know, a little mouse would be brother mouse, you know, (laughs) (laughs) that he identified so closely, not in like, um, the sense that he was worshiping these animals, but in the sense that he saw the mark of the creator in them, uh, and that, that he was drawn to care for them, um, as as a as a brother that was created by God, as a fellow creature of God, you know, there's a distinction in dignity between the human and, and a mouse, but um, it was that outpouring of love in a sense that that he saw. Yeah. So Benedict would talk about kind of like the forms of creation. Mm. Um. So you you and I we we all have a form to us, um, and that's kind of most easily seen in our face like there's something about the human face the form of the face mm. that is is easily identifiable like that's what's on our driver's license our passports we're identified by the form of our face um and if if you look at the old testament you know the the people of the old testament longed to see the form of god mm. they longed to see him face to face and they didn't quite have that, so but they do have kind of all of God's creation around them. You know, we have each other made in the image and likeness of God. We have uh, the rest of creation, you know, whether it's the grandness of the mountains or uh, the the beauty of a plant. Um, those are those are all reflections of of God's beauty, hmm. at least in some small way. Yeah, I, I had a friend of mine telling me recently. Um, we were just talking about how to how to kind of grow in sanctity, and she said, uh, "Spend time with another person. Spend time with other people, and look at the, and try to be drawn in uh, to the mystery of that person, rather than trying to assert your opinions onto that person and try to get them to think maybe how you think." Rather, uh, recognize that, uh, that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Trinity is within, within their soul and that there's a beauty there and just take it in, uh, just be present with them. And it's amazing because, you know, hopefully 
a lot of our listeners and and I'm sure you guys can think of people that come to mind that are like that. You know, there's something very beautiful about them when they're just in their in your presence and they're just interested in you and want to know more about you. Uh, that makes you kind of feel comfortable and open up. Uh, that that's really neat. Yeah, <clears throat> I just read this story recently about um, Saint John Paul II. He uh, there was a I think the it was a cardinal or a bishop that he that he encountered. And he knew the guy's name. He said, "Hey, it's it's good to see you again." And and um, I don't remember the name of the individual, but I guess he he was racking his brain, the the bishop that he talked to, because he could not remember when he had met Saint John Paul II. Um, he just could not, and he was working. He was talking to some of um, the those who assisted uh, Pope Saint John Paul and trying to figure out, like, when did I meet him? When did I meet him? Well, it came down to like he was. A priest helping with the Second Vatican Council. John Paul II was. Uh, well, but so was this other or a seminarian. Oh, okay. yeah. He was. He was. That's where they had encountered other, each other very briefly in passing, and years later, Saint John Paul II knew who it was and remembered the name, and wow. and he was amazed by this. And it was because um, that was explained was that Saint John Paul II so much valued the encounter with people that he didn't forget it. Mm. Right, like there was that in that brief moment that he had met this person, and then years later he says it's good to see you again and knows the name, and the guy can't even remember like having encountered him. Like, isn't <laughs> wow. that? I mean, that just amazes wow. me. Like, talk about someone who really, yeah, um, you know, was reverent before the meeting of another person, the encounter of Christ in another. And I think that brings us back to the <clears throat> environment too. That that encounter with the environment is an encounter with beauty. You know, and that, that that is something that's impressed upon us. The glory of God is seen in the context of our environment. Um, and uh, and it's memorable, especially the, the things that are particularly beautiful. Um, but even Therese of Lisieux, she talked about the beautiful garden in her convent. And uh, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Thomas Dubay went and uh, was so excited to see this garden. And it was like this shabby little flower patch. But she spent so much time with these little flowers um, and grew to love them and see uh, see her creator through through the flowers, you know, not not in the sense that the flowers were God, but that she could see the mark of the creator um, in them. It You know, it's so beautiful. And I think in this particular time, maybe we can turn the conversation a little bit too. that uh, that I think Satan's working particularly hard um, to draw us away from nature to both dominate, but then also to, to prevent us from, from really taking a good look at nature and appreciating it as Pope Francis said, as something to be contemplated with gladness and praise. Um, and I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think there's, there's some beauty in nature that is readily apparent. Like if you go out to the Rockies or, oh, yeah. or Shenandoah's, um, most anybody can see that and think, wow, that is, that is God's creation. I'm, I'm thankful for that creator. Um, but then there's other places. Like I just, I just went to spent my day off at the great dismal swamp, which <laughs> by its name, <laughs> it's a great <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. Um, that really draws the masses. <laughs> Come to the great dismal swamp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so kind of the the history of that area. Um, George Washington uh, w- went through it. Um, 
back in the 1700s and he he saw it as not so much a, a place of beauty or some something to to preserve but he more of saw it as an economic opportunity oh and he saw a lot of valuable timber um and a lot of good soils that were just inconveniently swamped over you know logged with water mm. um so he, he started this this grand project to to drain the swamp and log all of the timber um and the result of that was that uh first you know the biodiversity dropped significantly so mm. uh there's there's a lot less species of trees and plants and animals there than there used to be and then second um you know he also kind of failed in his his project to to farm the land the the whole draining of the swamp didn't work um and that that kind of just comes from this failure to recognize that while this area might not be beautiful to us because it's not a a comfortable place for humans to be yeah you know it's covered in water mud um, mosquitoes, mosquitoes no <laughs> yeah thousands of mosquitoes um while while man that might not be comfortable to man it still has beauty and that um you know it serves a purpose that george washington didn't realize hmm. you know, swamps are great at, at filtering water um they're great for wildlife so a lot of that biodiversity a lot of that flood control was lost when when man tried to dominate it wow that's fascinating i mean that that's like the best highlight of what i think benedict and his uh was it an encyclical or exhortation that he wrote uh who knows I think encyclical it's an, it's, but don't yeah, quote yeah. me on that okay I'm, it's, I'm so his sure yeah. his encyclical and uh pope francis's um exhortation laudato see that that's i mean that's exactly what they talk about that uh that we go and, and see something, and particularly, I think, in our, our Western society, um, and we say, how is this useful for us? So George Washington, our founding father, go figure, looks at mm-hmm. a swamp and says, this is money, you know, and we can profit off of this. Um, and there's a great quote by Pope Francis that says, although change is part of the working of complex systems, the speed with which human activity has developed contrasts with the naturally slow pace of biological evolution um, and basically saying that that you know we we change stuff when we work with these complex systems and we'll isolate a piece of it um, and say you know we can we can take a piece of this harness it and use it for something productive now it's one of the gifts that we have as human beings is that we're able to actually cooperate with nature to make a more uh, beautiful and perfect world you know intervening is not a bad thing that's actually kind of one of our purposes for existing right right exactly well you think of how much of the world doesn't go um or goes without clean water right yeah. i mean this is something yeah. that we in our in our engineering genius can and should do something about right people mm-hmm. should have clean water because because while again like you said there's a there's an encounter with the beauty of god in creation uh, man is is part of creation but but removed from in the sense of the dignity, right? That man has a greater dignity than creation. That doesn't mean to abuse creation, but, but if it means that, that man needs to survive because of clean water and creation is not readily allowing that, then we need to do something to make that happen. 
Um, in the same way that we need to be aware that by by overuse and abuse of nature, maybe you know some of the clean the dirty water is our fault, right? Like there's that yeah. balance. But but man, uh, um, man being able to live and have his dignity recognized through clean water is really important, and that engineering genius is important for things like that. And it's the end of that. And Pope Francis goes back to it time and time again in Laudato Si that we have to keep the poor in mind. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. what is the end of our ability? to do this is it for personal gain and growth or personal gain and uh to live an excessive lifestyle no you know and that's not to say that making a profit is a bad thing certainly you know it's not a bad thing um but the end of it is really as catholics we know uh that it's to help the other it's to care for our environment and it's to care for those uh most vulnerable that this is why this is why we would intervene into nature um, to make to make a better world for particularly those who are most poor and most in need, um, but also to help make it more beautiful, to help make it more livable for all. Um, but I think we distort that, or we can distort that, and say that the primary the primary mode is how do I make an economic profit, um, and that can be at the and and then the environment or the poor sometimes falls an afterthought that oh yeah. You know, let's make a profit off this. Oh, yeah, you know, we should probably consider how we take care of the poor also. So they're not really necessarily always paramount in our minds. Yeah, I think as Catholics, we might also be sometimes tempted to think that, sure, environmental concerns, those are those are great and everything, but not necessarily the top you know maybe Mm -hmm. maybe we put other things like like the liturgy or or uh, uh, learning above that but um really the popes are calling for a holistic approach to this that that all these things fit together so in terms of um why we care about the environments it's it's all about the common good Mm -hmm. Uh, you know look looking after each other um and respecting that common good. Yeah, because I think about how, like, so at the apartment complex that I'm at, there's, um, you know, we, we basically, we pay a set amount for water and we can use as much as we want, right? And so so there's, a ten- I have that tendency to be like, well, I don't really care if I keep the water running, <laughs> right? Because I've, I've pay- you know, I've paid for it and um, really whether or not I decrease my water intake may not affect someone you know, across the globe that doesn't have water. So what's the big deal? But then I think about if that's my attitude, right? Towards just a wasteful attitude, essentially, right? Like who cares? I'm not using it, but I've paid for it. And, you know, I'll just keep the water running while I'm washing dishes and I don't need to turn it off. Right. Cause I, it's not really affecting anyone, but it is because it's affecting me and the way that I treat anything that I encounter is this sort of wasteful mentality. And I think that's what you're getting yeah. at, right? Like any yeah, sense well, of care and respect is mm-hmm. ultimately because we need to have care and respect for one another. And I think we should do a podcast for about yeah. out of time. We should do a podcast on kind of consumption and consumerism because mm-hmm. uh, because what you're saying does, you know, that excessive consumption totally has an impact on the rest of the world, you know? It'll have an impact all the way in Africa if we just leave all of our water running because mm-hmm. it's, you know, depleting good resources and it's wild. So, yeah. Yeah, so maybe maybe that'll be a, a part two to our conversation. <laughs> but I think ultimately what we're getting at, right, is that that all of this is, like you said, it comes down to um, really caring for one another 
And if our mentality is one of respect and awe at all of God's creation, then our love for one another will increase. Amen, brother. Preach it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you, Kevin, for for responding to my leave no trace comment. And and I look forward to to talking more about this kind of stuff in the future. But uh, hey, um, if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please share it. Um, send us a review. Send us an email at vichimundum1633 at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. And uh, if you're interested in proclaiming good news and you have a topic that you that you feel um, that you want to share with others about the gospel, then, then go to vichimundum.com and uh, apply to be on the show. We would love to have you. So um, until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray, pray for, for us. us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing their love of Christ with you. God bless you.